Father, you are a great God. You are our King. You are our Saviour. We have so much to be thankful for. Give us thankful hearts. Give us hearts that live in thankfulness to you. We thank you so much for your word that is so freely given that we can open and read and be fed by you. Prepare our hearts for hearing your word read and preached today. Lord, bless us and change us to become more and more like your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to live for your glory. Amen. The Bible reading today is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Be very careful then how you live, <clears throat> not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Be, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's the third in our series, uh, looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. And I wasn't sure if everyone was listening the first week, so I asked if the passage from the first week could be put in. I thought I'd just preach the same sermon again, see if anyone noticed. You know? uh, nah, didn't do that at all. But uh, the series we've been doing is uh, just thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Last week we talked about being led by the Spirit. And this week we want to turn our attention to being filled by the Spirit. You would have picked up that phrase that occurs here in Ephesians chapter 5. But what, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Uh, I have a friend who recently started attending a new church and I asked them how it was going. And they said, it is going so well. I said, this church I really like is a very Spirit-filled church. Uh, that's, that's what she said. And uh, I was curious, so I said, uh, when you say spirit-filled, what do you mean? I mean, what, what's caused you to think that this is a spirit-filled church? Now, I won't tell you what her answer was, because I actually thought we'd do something a little different today. I thought I'd get you to ask that question of each other, uh, except a little more focused. The, the question is, do you think Holy Trinity Church Victor Harbour is a spirit-filled church? Okay, do you think Holy Trinity Victor Harbour is a, this church, is a spirit-filled church? Okay, I'm going to get you to talk to each other. Now, here are a few provisos that go with this. You may be someone who despises it when preachers ask you to talk to each other, in which case I apologise. Uh, and if that's the case for you, let me tell you, I'm not going to ask you to give me any feedback. Right? No, I will not point to anyone and ask for a response. Um, the second thing is, if you hate it or a new, you're a newcomer or you just think this is a really weird question, uh, just feel free to talk about the football if you want. You know, will the Crows win this afternoon without the Victor Harbour boy Rory Laird playing the team? Is it possible? You know, feel free to do that. But if you feel comfortable, okay, what I want you to do is talk to each other and ask each other, do you think uh, Holy Trinity Victor Harbour, this church, is a spirit-filled church or not, and if you're up for it, 
Tell the person why you've come to that conclusion, okay? Spirit-filled or not, why? I'm only going to give you about three quarters of a minute each to swap, swap answers because I know you'll, that'll be enough and uh, we'll go on from there, okay? Go for it. Thanks so much for uh, talking to each other. And look, just feel free to chase those conversations up over coffee. What I thought I'd do is it, it's a great chance for you to disagree with each other uh, before you disagree with me. You know, I thought that, that's the way we could we'd go about it. How should we expect the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives? How should we expect the Holy Spirit to be at work in our church? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it's printed out on the leaflet in front of you. It says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Instead be filled with the Spirit. This is the only time in the New Testament where believers are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. The only place in the whole New Testament. And I hope you pick up that it's not an optional thing here. That is, you can't have um, Pentecostal and charismatic churches and Bible teaching churches, you know, places which are filled with the Spirit and places which are filled with the Bible. Uh, the, the New Testament doesn't allow you to have that sort of option. If a church is genuine, uh, then it must have people in it that are filled with the Spirit. That's, that's the mark of a true Christian church. Every church has to be Spirit-filled, and every Christian believer has to be Spirit-filled to be a Christian. That is, you can't be a Christian without being filled with the Spirit. So you can see this question about being filled with the Spirit is a really important question. It's an essential question, but also it is threatening uh, because it, it forces you to ask whether you are filled with the Spirit and then it requires you to be able to say, well, what, what would that look like if I am filled with the Spirit? How would I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? They're, they're important questions, aren't they? And I'm going to pray that God will help us as we dive into his word to work them out. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks to us clearly about your purposes. And Father, we pray that as we wrestle with what is obviously a really important question, you'll give us insight, understanding, and a deep desire uh, to honour you in our lives and in all of life. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, what does it mean to be filled uh, with the Spirit? Now, let me say, Christians differ enormously on their, the answers to this question. Uh, and it depends a lot on your background, your experiences when you first become a Christian, if you're a Christian, or the influences you have in different churches as you go along. So some Christians will tell you, and some churches will say, they think it is about speaking in tongues, that if you're filled with the Spirit, it'll be marked uh, by being able to speak in tongues. And they'll go to a place like the book of Acts. We looked at this two weeks ago. And look at, say, a place like Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Now, there we read that the disciples, they're gathering in Jerusalem. They're waiting for the gift of the Spirit to come, as Jesus promised them in Acts chapter 1. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we discover there are wind and tongues of fire. And then, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. 
So in Ephesians, when it talks about being filled with the Spirit, is this it? Is it speaking in tongues? Let me give you a few thoughts on the way in which uh, people draw these two sections of the Bible together. When we work through Acts of the Apostles, what we discover is there seems to be different outworkings of being filled with the Spirit. It's not just tongues. So sometimes people are filled with tongues, uh, filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. You can see that in Acts chap chapter 2, verse 4, or Acts chapter 10, verse 46, or Acts chapter 19, verse uh, 17. But sometimes people are filled with the Spirit and they don't speak in tongues. They speak the word of God boldly to other people. So you go to a place like Acts chapter 4, verse 8, or Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Or Paul the Apostle is filled with the Spirit and he's commanded to take the gospel to the nations. He's filled with the Spirit, gets his sight, and commanded to take the gospel to the nations. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Or we're told in Acts chapter 13 that Paul is filled with the Spirit and at this point, what he does is he confronts Elymas, the magician. Uh, at another point, the disciples, a wider group, are filled with the Spirit. And in the face of extreme persecution, the mark of being filled with the Spirit is that they're filled with joy. You see, there's a diverse range in which being filled with the Spirit produces activities or outcomes. Let me give you a few other thoughts as we reflect on the difference between a book like Acts and a letter like the Ephesians that we're looking at today. Uh, some people are described in Acts as speaking in tongues, but as you read through that book, it's actually a very small group of people. Most when they receive the Holy Spirit or are filled with the Spirit are not described as speaking in tongues. Small group. Whereas the interesting thing is in Ephesians chapter 5, did you pick it up? All of us are meant to be filled with the Spirit and show evidence of that. Filling is obviously not a one-off experience. That is, you're meant to keep on being filled as far as I can tell. So again, back in Acts, Acts chapter 2, uh, the disciples, they're filled with the Spirit and they speak in tongues. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Again, they're filled with the Spirit, including Peter, and speak the Word of God boldly. So second filling of the Spirit in just a couple of chapters. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, Peter is meeting with all the disciples, and they're all filled with the Spirit and speak the Word of God boldly. He's filled with the Spirit three times. Right? There's obviously an ongoing sort of activity. The other difference you notice between, say, the book of Acts and Ephesians is that here in Acts, it, the filling with the Spirit and what happens is a sovereign work of God. They go back to Jerusalem and they're waiting for God to do something. Right? Um, and God seems by his Spirit to do things at will as you go through this letter. They, they don't do anything to achieve the receiving or filling of the Spirit. God just does it. Notice here that in Ephesians chapter 5, there is a command for God's people to be filled with the Spirit. That is, there's an obligation here to be filled with the Spirit. So how, do you, how does this work? How do you do something 
about being filled with the Spirit yourself or, or, you know, what happens? What I'm trying to do is drive to an important principle here when we read our Bibles. It's that when you read a Bible, uh, read the Bible, what you do is you, you might take a verse, a sentence in the Bible. The best way of reading that is to read it in its context, immediate context, to read it in its wider context of the letter in which it's written, uh, to read it in the, the context of, you know, the Old Testament or the New Testament or the sweep of the whole of the scripture. That is, you go from the smaller thing and you keep moving out to keep filling in your understanding because the Bible's a series of books and the books have a, a certain internal logic to them in the way in which they play out. What I want to do right now is to do that by turning to Ephesians and thinking about what Ephesians says about being filled with the Spirit and see if we can get a better grip on actually what the Bible is teaching us here, okay? I know I'm making you do a little bit of work, um, but I think it's really helpful for us as we think through how we go about things. All right. Filled with the Spirit in Ephesians. Uh, What does it mean? There's a lot of uh, teaching about the Holy Spirit in Ephesians. For example, back in chapter 1, it talks about being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Let me read from uh, Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And when it talks about being sealed with the Spirit, sometimes it uh, talks about being baptised in the Spirit. We're talking about conversion, uh, believing in the truth of the gospel and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, we're told that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Uh, we're given the Holy Spirit in an ongoing sort of way. Uh, in Ephesians 3, verses 16 to 18, we're told the Holy Spirit is given to us to strengthen our understanding of the riches of our relationship with God. The Ephesians talks about the Spirit at work to convert us, to deepen our relationship with God, to make us more like Christ, and actually when you get to Ephesians 4, to unify God's people as one. Right? That's the wider teaching. What about this particular verse here in Ephesians 5, verse 18. Ephesians has six chapters. Uh, first three chapters are all essentially all about what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. One to three. Four to six are all about what to do with that, how to live out the reality of the wonderful gift of God and his son, right? Generosity of God, bringing us to himself, working it out in practice. And you can see that when you go to Ephesians 4 verse 1. They were told to live worthy of our calling. The calling is all about chapters 1, 2, and 3, being called into a relationship with God. Living worthy of that calling is to put that on the ground in practice in lots of different ways. Then as you go through chapters 4 and 5, five times uh, we're told the idea is used of living or walking, depending on which translation you use. That is... Um, verse 1, live or walk worthy of your calling. And then four more times it talks about walking together in this truth. 4.17, no longer live or walk like the Gentiles or unbelievers do, 
Chapter 5, verse 2, live or walk a life of love. Chapter 5, verse 8, live or walk as children of light. Uh, chapter 5, verse 15, be careful how you live or walk. And uh, the idea is, it, it's a lovely picture, I think, of the Christian life not being something where you become a Christian and wait till Jesus returns. No, no, you become a Christian and then you keep walking, you know, in a certain, I can't do it if I was Michael Jackson, I could, you know, but uh, you know, keep walking in a certain direction. And the picture is walking together as God's people, you know, in partnership with other people as you make progress trying to move on in the gospel. And then we get to chapter 5, verse 18, and it talks about being filled with the Spirit. This is part of the walking or pattern of behaviour uh, that God's people are meant to have. Unwise people are controlled or live by alcohol. Wise people live godly, honouring lives controlled by the Spirit. And when you look at what it's saying here, be filled with the Holy Spirit, there are a couple of things just to be aware of. The first is, uh, just like it, I was talking about in Acts of the Apostles, uh, to be filled with the Spirit is an ongoing activity, not a one-off. So literally, it's to go on being filled with the Spirit, constant, regular sort of activity. Now, this is very important, I think. Um, if I told you, for example, I, Paul Harrington, I'm a happy man, all right? A happy man. And uh, you said to me, well, how do you know you're happy, Paul? And I could say to you, well, I remember 16 years ago, uh, I was sitting down listening to a very good com comedian, and I had a five-minute belly laugh, okay? I haven't laughed since, but I know I'm a happy man because I laughed for five minutes 16 years ago. Right? Now, at this point, you would say, I'm not convinced you're a happy man, you know? Uh, I know you had a moment of happiness, uh, but I'm not sure that really does count. Here, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-off thing that occurs to you at some time in the past. It's an ongoing thing that's happening in your life in a constant way. And the other thing is, you never finish being filled with the Spirit. It doesn't come to an end. Uh, I have a friend I have breakfast with on a regular basis. His wife wrote her biography, and uh, it was really, she's a returned missionary, and I read this biography, and in it, she says, for all the world to read, that uh, after they'd been married for some time, she felt like her husband never said to her that, she, that he loved her, right? Never said to her that he loved her, and uh, she was feeling a bit bereft, so she raised it with him and said, look, you know, uh, George, I won't say what his real name is, but uh, you, you never tell me that you love me. And he said, Mary? He said, when we got married, I told you I loved you. And if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> hey, can I say, I don't think this is good advice. Right? I'm not commending this to any of you husbands to try this as a line with your wife, because all of us know that in a relationship like marriage, you keep on telling the person that you love and serve that you love them. Don't you? You don't stop doing that. 
you know, unless you change your mind, you let them, like, it's just, isn't it? It's the same sort of idea here. You never stop uh, being filled with the spirit. It's like you never stop loving your neighbour as yourself, you know? Took them a meal yesterday, tick, done that. It's not like that, is it? You go on loving your neighbour as yourself. The other thing is it's a command for a church. We tend to read the Bible very individualistically. It's because of the nature of our age. Uh, We're all about authenticity and all about me. But here, this is a command for what a church should look like, as well as for every single believer. All are sealed, all are filled, and all are to go on being filled. Okay. Now, what I've done really is, is pulled the passage apart, and you may have found that as dry as toast. And if that's the case, and you've switched off, and you are thinking about the football this afternoon, come back, all right? Because what I'm going to do now is to talk about what a spirit-filled church should look like, all right? What are the marks of a church that is filled with the Spirit? It's a church where people live or walk wisely. Let me read again from chapter 5, verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. People without the Holy Spirit, people who aren't followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, they live with a, um, a closed world view. That is, joy and meaning and purpose come, come from what they can see, taste, touch, feel, do. That's the way in which our, our world operates. It's all to do with you know, family and relationships and experiences and degrees on walls and jobs and homes and renovations and travel and cars. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are bad. They're actually good gifts from a loving God. But they're not meant to be the focus of our attention. The God who gave them to us is the one we're meant to serve and honour and live for. But the wise person has the spirit because they live with eternity printed on their hearts. They live with the future beyond this world imposing itself on the here and now. Now, this affects us profoundly at every single level. Um, I had lunch uh, with a 95-year-old man on Monday who goes to one of our other Trinity churches. Uh, He's been around Trinity since 1953, so probably a tad longer than most of us. Um, Anyway, I caught up with him, still very agile in the mind, very bright, and uh, in a nursing home at this point in time. And he asked for my advice. Uh, he, said, he said, Paul, I'm 95, but there's a guy in the nursing home who's about to turn 100, and I've been making friends with him. And he's not a believer, and I figure he probably doesn't have too much longer to go, and I'm uh, keen to share the gospel with him. And as I've raised it with him, he says, ah, he said, Peter, you know, his name is Jack, Peter, I... Uh, I, you know, used to go to church 50 years ago and I gave all that stuff up. And right now, 
You know, I've had a great life, I've been a business person, made my money, but at this point in time, he's in a bed, can't do anything for himself, can't bathe, can't eat, can't do anything. Um, his mind's okay, but that's where he's up to. So I've asked my children if they'll euthanise me. And Peter said, what do I say to him? And, uh, and then he said, let me tell you what I said to him. Um, he said, I, I said to him, Jack, I feel really sad for you because here I am, 95, I'm not far behind you, but I am really looking forward to the promised new life that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just so keen to get there and to experience that. He said, I don't know if that was any good, but that's what I said. I said, oh, pretty good, I think, Pete, you know. <laughs> Now, do you get the point? See, Peter is a wise man, not because he's been shrewd on the stock market or he has the answer to any question. He is a wise man because his trust is in the promises of God and the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. And that compresses itself in on his thinking about what's important in this world. Now, most of you aren't 95. Um, we're at all sorts of different stages. Some are in high school, some are in primary school, some are preschoolers, some are young workers, some are young married, some are old married. Yeah, like we're, we're across the board. But you understand you want eternity to be impressed upon your heart and your mind and to shape the way in which you live? That's what it means uh, to be filled with the Spirit. Paul goes on, he says, spirit-filled Christians, they're spiritual speakers. Verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Church is not just a, um, a me and God thing. Uh, otherwise, after COVID, we would have just stayed home and all watched it online. And it's great that people are watching us online. I'm not having a go at you at this point. There are good reasons for being online. You may be unwell or unable to get here. Uh, but, but let me say, spiritual people meet with God's people, if at all possible, because they know that that's part of our activity of spurring one another on by speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual... It's really hard to speak to one another if you're not here. You know, and if you're not here, we miss out on you speaking and encouraging us in the truths of the gospel. I sometimes talk to people <coughs> who tell me, you know, after church or after I've preached, they didn't really get much out of church or the sermon today. And I think you might have actually missed a big part of why you're here. So you didn't just come to church to hear me speak on a passage from the Bible. You came to meet with God's people to speak to them, speak to one another, to encourage each other and to build one another up in the truths of the gospel. Yeah, that's why we, we get, you know, we, before church, we work out how to do that. After uh, we're meeting over coffee, we're working out how to encourage and build one up. During the week, we're thinking, who, who can I call or meet with or small groups to meet around God's word and encourage one another? Spirit-filled People are spiritual speakers. Psalms, hymns. It, it's the idea of speaking the truth in love uh, 
chapter 4, verse 15 of Ephesians. We do that to each other. It's so important. Um, I've been part of a small group of men who've met over breakfast, most of the same men for uh, almost 30 years, actually, now. Uh, so I've, it, some people have swapped in and out at different points. But here's the thing. Over the years, what we've done is we've kept speaking the truth of God's word into each other's lives and praying for one another. All the men in this group are 10 to 15 years older than me, one even 20 years older than me. And what I've been able to do is to observe them as they've conducted their, their marriages. Uh, three of them have had wives that have gone through treatment for cancer and worked out how they could love their wives during that, that situation. So when my wife got cancer, I had three men I could model my life on. And they encouraged me. And they spoke from authority as being very wise. I've walked with them through tragedy. One man, his adult son, he was 38 or something, died in very tragic circumstances. And we as a group, we walked with him. Just through the tross and the agony of that. Another man, in his work situation, had a boss from hell. And we, we spoke to him spiritual truths. We encouraged him not to let a bomb his boss. You know? He didn't really have to do that. But, you know, he, was, he struggled. It was an agony. We're to sing songs, verse 19. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Uh, spirit, spirit-filled Christians sing to one another. There's, there's no horizontality to that, you know. But also... We gather to praise and delight in what God has done for us in his son. We always give thanks to God. Chapter 5, verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We do live in a society that's very focused on ourselves, our, our personal authenticity. But a mark of having the Holy Spirit is having a God-centred view of reality, constantly giving thanks to God as we experience life in this world. Here it's saying, be thankful to God in all circumstances. I don't think it's saying thankful to God for all circumstances necessarily, but thankful to God in all circumstances. So if you know your your cat dies on Monday, your house burned down burns down on Tuesday, you work out your insurance policy lapse last week on Wednesday, uh, you lose your job on Thursday. When you jump out of bed on Friday, you're not meant to look back on the week and go, praise the Lord, it's been the best week of my life. You know, like it's not a denial of reality at that point. But here's the thing. What does not change is that you know that God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has brought you close to himself, you are forgiven, adopted, redeemed, sanctified. And those truths will endure for eternity. Thankful for those truths. Go back to Ephesians 1 and just suck in all the marrow of the benefits of being in relationship with God. 
Here's another mark of being filled with the Spirit. I don't know that you would have necessarily thought this, though, would you? Look at verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Would you have thought it was a mark of being filled with the Spirit to be living in submission to other people? It's interesting, isn't it? I don't think it's the first thing you think of. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, Christ didn't grasp equality with his heavenly Father, but submitted himself even to death on a cross. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. And we demonstrate that we're filled with the Spirit as you go through the end of Ephesians, you read, when husbands love and lay down their, wives, their lives for their wives, that's a mark of being filled with the Spirit. Husbands who aren't self-centred but actually give their lives in service of the person that God has entrusted to them in marriage, willingly, constantly, sacrificially, that's a mark of being filled with the Spirit. Or it talks about... Um, children and parents and uh, you know anyone who's living at home under their parents roof listen in this is a mark of being filled with the spirit when you obey your parents and honor them that's a mark of being spirit filled but also there's a word for fathers here it says fathers don't frustrate your kids that's a mark of being filled with the spirit when you don't aggravate the living daylights out of your kids actually think how you serve and encourage and love them. Interestingly too, in Ephesians 5, it talks about wives being filled with the Spirit as they honour and respect their husbands. Not a big feature in marriage today, but it's a mark of being Spirit-filled. Submission at this point is the opposite of selfishness or greed or self-assertion or ambition. That's what it means to be spirit-filled. So, Trinity, Phil, Trinity Church, Victor Harbour, is it a spirit-filled church? Well, you'll be in a better position to work this out than me because you're regularly a part of this church and I'm less, less the case, uh, a regular member of this church. But, you know, I keep hearing from your leadership team, I keep hearing from Duncan and Steve uh, that this is a church where people are filled with the Spirit. This is a church where people delight in the promises of God, uh, where people long to serve one another and build one another up, uh, where couples and relationships, it's not that they don't have struggles, but they keep on working out how they live for the glory of God by serving and loving each other. People who expect that by the Holy Spirit their lives will be changed. I ran into a guy just a little while ago who I'd known, I reckon, about 30 years ago. He was a member of the church in the city. And he was one of the grumpiest, sullen, miserable men I'd ever met in my life. You know, he's one of those people that I really, whenever I preached, I made it. Made it my job to see if I could get him to smile at any stage, you know, just, and I never succeeded. But, you know, it, uh, he just, just was miserable. Three decades later, um, he and his wife turned up at church and he was a remarkably changed man. Still the same personality, 
but much more positive, much more wanting to serve, much more, it wasn't so much he smiled in my sense, but more that he just had that desire not to be so self-focused, but to care for other people. And I thought, what a great lesson for me, that I should expect that God, by his word and by his spirit, will keep transforming lives and shaping us to be more like his son. So that's a mark of the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I keep hearing stories from here of people who love and serve one another. It's because you're filled with the Spirit. Here in Ephesians 5, it talks about being filled with the Spirit as an ongoing activity, as we seek to glorify God in all of life, as we seek to make the Lord Jesus Christ the centre of how we think about life, how we shape our lives, how we operate, how we treat each other, the priorities we put into our households, our work, really every area of life. And friends, uh, if you're a believer, can I encourage you, go on being filled with the Spirit. Go on being empowered by God so that you might spur one another on uh, to love and to good works and to giving thanks to God for all he's done for us in Jesus. Okay, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that uh, in your word, uh, sometimes we have questions, some based on our own experiences or what other people have told us. But Father, we thank you that your word has a clarity and straightforwardness about it. Father, we thank you that... Um, we can see here that you call on us to be filled with the Spirit, that is to go on living in line with the Spirit, living in line with your purposes in this world, living with eternity impressed on our hearts, uh, being gracious with one another, uh, having that keenness to see the Lord Jesus Christ extolled in all of life and other people come under the sound of the wonderful gospel. Uh, Father, we pray that we might be a church uh, that when... Uh, people encounter us, they will marvel at the wonderful way in which you've filled us by your Spirit and you keep on filling us by your Spirit so we live lives that bring you praise and honour and glory. And we pray it in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.